you can create the best tech, but it does not matter if no one uses it, right? Right. So when it comes to the approach that we take is Chainlink has done a really good job in 2018, 19, 20 to bootstrap like the DeFi as it is, right. but it moves slowly. I mean, it became like a large organization with a lot of people over there. The decisions are tough. Communication inside is also like not clear. So, right. you know, when you have like that kind of problems in the space, in an industry that the innovation cycle lasts like two months, like truly every two months, if you froze yourself for two months, you're obsolete in this market, right? Right. So you have to be very on top of things. So we monitor all the trends and try to react as quickly as possible to the ones that are picking up. So to give you an example, we see like ZK being one of the core narrative for a while already. Right. Hence, we were the very first Oracle to be present on ZK Sync. DeFi with Brad Nickel, where we explore projects in decentralized finance that are innovating and driving our mission of financial freedom forward. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review Mission DeFi and spread the word by posting a tweet to the show. All opinions expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests are their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Black Knox, Material Indicators, or any other affiliated organizations. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests as an inducement to make a particular investment, follow a particular strategy, or become involved with any project. A project being featured on the show is not an endorsement of that project in any way. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Now, here's Mission DeFi with Brad Nickel. All right. I'm excited today. I have Jacob and Marcine from Redstone with us, and I'm really excited about what Redstone is up to, what they're doing. They are an alternative and some say better Oracle system for protocols and developers to be utilizing. And I'm going to let them make the case for that. But everything I've seen, I've been really, really impressed with them and their team. This is not two guys in a shed um, building a, a critical piece of infrastructure. This is a professional team doing some really cool stuff. And I love the backstory of what they've contributed to our weave as well to give more capabilities and power to that network. So Jacob and Marcin, I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Jacob, if you could start by pushing yourself and telling us how, how you got into crypto, what your background is and, and, and why, why you're doing what you're doing. And then we'll jump to Marcin's intro and then we'll get into what Redstone is and how it came about. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Brad. So my background is in software engineering. So naturally, I think any, any new technology is interesting. And I discovered blockchain when I was going through a personal change when me and my family moved to, to London. And I was quite bored with the traditional fintech and insurance that I used to work. So I was looking for a new, new city, new, let's say, lifestyle, new possibilities. So let's, let's find something interesting. I went to, to a hackathon, probably one of the very first hackathons in the blockchain space. It was 2016. That was just before the Ethereum was launched. A lot, tons of people were excited. So. I was just lucky enough to, to be a winner of this hackathon. I think no one probably in the, in the crowd, including me, know 
And I think about the blockchain, it was just a crazy hacking trying different um, stuff to be to be implemented. I was building something similar to colored coins on, on Bitcoin and use it as a wow. endorsement system, probably something similar to like decentralized version of a LinkedIn. And I just get hooked in. So later I teamed up with a few people I met there and we created a crypto startup. One of the very first, we tried to um, disrupt the way like the public services work and try to optimize the the delivery of funding to to charities, social organizations, try to make like governance more transparent. It was like an amazing journey. We work quite close with the Imperial College London around the the data privacy and we also work with the, the mayor of London team, how to make their processing transparent. You worked with who? We, who what was that last one? You we, worked we, with, with the mayor of London. So that, that's a wow. local authority in London. So we, we managed to even get like the first version of the digital pound sterling through the wow. regulatory committee. That was uh, yes, crazy times. People were like, super excited about the potential of the technology. But as you may know, the the, the public sector, especially when the COVID struck, it's not the most commercially attractive one. So right. I started like freelancing. I was the smart contract auditor. I, I work with the Open Zeppelin team, one of the really great security companies there. I was like yeah. consulting as a blockchain architect and participating in, in many hackathons. And then I was getting like more and more frustrated, like what's possible in the space, especially in terms of the oracles and the data that is available. So it was like 2020, so four years in this, since I joined the blockchain space, but still, let's say the amount of data, it was like less than 100 feet, the feet available there. Uh, the, yeah. the, the how, how long were you with Open Zeppelin? Sorry. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just wanted to quickly uh -huh. touch on Open Zeppelin. You were working with Open Zeppelin for a while? Yes, so that's like super interesting because uh, after the, the the first startup it was like slowly dying, you know, ending down. So I was like looking for some extra cash, and I was like participating as a back hunter. So they're like a protocols. You can find a mistake. You can apply for for a bug bounty. So I found a few, and one of the bug bounties was actually in the code that was audited by by the Zeppelin guys. So they contacted me. You know, we like what you're doing. We want to somehow get involved. We are looking for auditors. And it was like a very funny interview. And they gave me like a test question to find bugs. <laughs> they managed to find a bug that wasn't supposed to be found. So they needed to contact <laughs> their That's great. <laughs> that That's awesome. Story. Yeah. And then I joined the team. I think they're amazing people, like especially the the founder Manuel is a really, really super smart guy. So I stayed there for a few months. And after that, I, I decided to be like a blockchain architect for, for another company, helping them because I was like more interested in, in building in the DeFi space. But I, I really respect what they're doing there. It was like an amazing opportunity for me also to learn about the security. That's very cool. All right. So we'll get to how Redstone mm -hmm. came about, but where you were working as a blockchain architect when you came up with the idea for, for Redstone and what you were trying to do? Yeah, so that was kind of like a consult, consultant job, external consultant. Right. I worked with the DeFi startup 
help them to specify the technology, prepare the proof of concept. And then I was also exploring like what's possible. As I mentioned, participating in Hackathon, getting frustrated with the Oracle space. And then I discovered Arweave. And I joined the very first incubator, and that was amazing. Nice. Experience. I think the the team was really welcoming, and it was like fantastic people in the very first batch of the incubator. I think the people from R Drive, the people from Speron, people from Kive, they're like a great companies that came That's from awesome. that. Mm -hmm. cool. So I I couldn't like speak higher about the the support we get from the core team. I think like. Sam was in the every meeting was like Sebastian, the COO, they're very approachable. And it was not only about the technology, but how to create a company, how to prepare a pitch, how to, you know, deal with fundraising, excellent connections, et cetera. I mean, it's That's awesome. Experience. Yeah. I have found them to be very professional. The community is so engaged. It's, it's really an impressive, impressive, the way the ethos has of the founding of that thing has kind of transferred into how the community functions. Really interesting. I had a guy named Tom Wilson on yesterday who built stamps protocol uh, on our weave, really just likable, nice guy. But he said the same thing. He said that he, they always, it always feels like everyone's on the same team, which is, which is pretty amazing. So, all right, Marcin, how did you end up here, buddy? I got invited by Brad to Mission DeFi, right? <laughs> <laughs> so my journey started late 2017 when I started reading about Bitcoin. Naturally, did the first transaction set of wallet. And that was the time I was writing my bachelor's thesis. And I was like, okay, let's pick up this blockchain technology as the main topic. So I wrote about how hashing function works and basically blocks are created and all the basics over there. And then I started, you know, digging deeper into the implementations, like what can be actually built on top of that. So I started working for something that was called Polish Accelerator of Blockchain Technology at, at one of the projects. Apparently, I got to know Jacob, who was a kind of like a, also consultant on the architecture and what's possible, because especially in, at that time, so like 2018, people had heads full of ideas. But there had to be someone who knew how technology works to bring them down on earth and tell them what is possible and what is not. And that was the Jacob's work, the job. Nice. Them. So we got to know each other. I would say from the very beginning, for, at least from my side, I really liked Jacob's approach of being down to earth and, you know, like reasonable, extremely reasonable. And I was like, yeah, it'd be cool to work together someday in the future. So on the way, I created like two startups that failed. For one of them, I asked Jacob to be like kind of an advisor. He, he was willing to do so, but he was also like quite swamped with work. Fast forward, I joined Google Cloud in 2020. And at one point, Jacob came back to me and said, hey, I have this idea for an Oracle that would be quite revolutionary. And I was like, I'm on board. I mean, like anything that Jacob comes up with and has a high conviction, I believe there is you know, worth giving a try, right? So at the beginning, right. I was like part-time helping him out with the biz dev, like Discord, communication, some materials. As you know, like there is a lot of heavy lifting in development in the, in, in the, in the first place. And then after some time, I just switched full-time as COO at Redstone. And I'm extremely happy that I can be part of this journey. It's like crazy good. That, that's awesome. And 
Let's start by talking about, Jacob, what you saw or what we see now as some of the problems with the current Oracle implementations that are out there. Obviously, Chainlink is the largest in the space. There are others. But what what was the problem you saw there that you thought you could solve by building Redstone? Absolutely. So the reasons why we decided to build Redstone. So it was 2020. So four years after I joined the space, but I feel like it was a very little progress in the the way we serve data to be consumed on chain. There are like tons of limitations. For example, only like about 100 feeds available. Then the, the let's say latency of data was in the, the highest frequency of updates was about 10 minutes, but most of the data was updated daily. So it was like a speed, let's say, of the technologies in the 80s when you can deliver data, let's say, every single day. So it's like, yeah, we are building this fancy technology for the future, but we are so limited. And definitely it was because of the operation costs. So putting all of the information on chain is extremely expensive. Sure. And like, like the networks, like Ethereum was never optimized for, for the storage of data. Right. Just trying to optimize the throughput of transactions, the, the mm, number of interactions that can fit into block and usually putting some data into storage required you know, a lot of input, output operation, access to this ever-growing Merkle trees, trying to get approved, accessing the disk space, etc. So they are heavily punished and very expensive. So in 2020, there were some alternatives. For example, that's how I discovered Arweave, the perfect example of this chain that was designed for storage. Right. Compared to Ethereum, it was never designed for storage. And also we, we discovered that like a new chains. For example, we also use Streamer, which is amazing technology for broadcasting information in a decentralized way. So we're using like the, the, the one single chain to do everything, like it was at the beginning of Oracle, is not the most efficient way. So we decided right. to build a new, very modular Oracle system where you can take tons of data. So, so currently we, we actively monitor like more than a thousand assets at the few seconds interval. So we are putting like literally billions of data with the decentralized storage, both on our week and broadcasting through the streamer network. That's having a fraction of cost that it will entail on the main Ethereum chain. So that was the, the big, I think, step forward just to use the, the technology in a more creative way, use the novel approaches for, for broadcasting for storage and build like a more flexible Oracle system where you can keep the data in one network, but consume it in other networks. And the data is consumed only when it's really needed. So we do not need to periodically put prices, but when you, for example, need to execute a transaction and you require the price, that's the only time when you bring it on chain and pay for that. So that was the idea to make it like more scalable and more efficient and pay only for the data that you are going to use. Right, so the idea is, is that existing Oracle systems are, are have time lapses, right? They store the data over and over again on a schedule and it may not be the schedule, it may not be the schedule that an application needs, right? It may need it more frequently, whatever. 
And at the same time, they do that because of the cost for storage, right? If they if they exactly. do it more frequently, then it's going to cost way too much, and it won't there won't be a benefit to to utilizing it because it would cost too much money to to store the data. And so you guys, you basically said, oh wait a minute, there's a cheaper way to store data. That's what RWE was for. It was meant for that. It was meant to make it inexpensive and permanent and lasting. And secondarily, there was a product streamer that would allow you to get the data to people faster, to applications and protocols faster. And so you took those two pieces and you said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to build something that works better. Marcin, in, in terms of kind of solving the problem, one of the problems was, I think that our weave didn't necessarily have an easy way for you to work with it. Right. I mean, there wasn't, there was a root from what I understand when we talked last time, there was like a rudimentary smart contract capability on our weave, but not to the power you guys needed. And so one of the things you did was build something new for Arweave. Is that is that correct? Yeah. So the backstory is that natively on Arweave, we don't have smart contracts because of its design. So right. you can create a kind of like a layer on top that would calculate the state as you do. And initial concept for SmartWeave, because that's the name of the concept, came out of the Arweave team. So for our Oracle design, we needed that capability on top of Arweave. So we tried to use that. That was in early 21. And it turned out that it's suboptimal. So one of our developers took it and rewrote from the scratch in a short period. It's Peter, who is right now lead developer of work. Crazy good engineer. Like, I'm going to tell it, he's like a no bullshit person. He just takes the task or takes the code and deliver, delivers what has to be done. Nice. So he rewrote it from the scratch and then we released it to the ecosystem of Arweave and everyone looked at it and I was like, hey, this is cool. Actually, we are going to need that in a couple of months or down the road. Or even sometimes some people said like, we were even considering moving out of the ecosystem because we saw this doesn't work. So this is very necessary for the growth of the whole environment. The Arweave team saw it and said, like, guys, like, go ahead, make a product out of it. For sure, we need more development around it to make it scalable and, you know, that the projects can use that. That's how work came into existence, right? So we created a product. Right now, we have a dedicated team of excellent developers, like truly the, the, number, the, the cumulative number of years of experience of the team that is working on Warp is impressive. So there are people with PhDs, like the guys that have been working on software engineering for 20 plus years, like each of them. So we are very keen on seeing like the results in the next coming months. And so far, so good. Like everyone is very happy with what we provide. And, and so for you all, you know, Jacob, you had this idea, you figured out a, a, a significant problem in the space, one that still plagues most protocols right now. And you you guys built the ability to make it happen and work. Did you guys raise money to get off the ground? How did you how did you pull all this together and pull together all this talent that you guys have on the team? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's not like Arweave was super helpful at the beginning. So I think the the final stage of the incubator was a public presentation of ideas and there were external investors invited. 
I don't know was the, the the first moment when I got a very positive feedback about what I'm I'm building, and a lot of people interested in supporting that further. That led to raising some pre-seed funds. It was like a mm, starting amount, so I was there alone, and I managed to raise like half a million, and nice. it. It helped us to bootstrap the company, so we we hired a few people. I think it was like six or seven of us at the very beginning. I mean, Martin maybe was one of the first people I onboarded. So we had a few amazing engineers, and we started building. And it was like, you know, we it was like the the very smooth path till the the next phase when we got traction, we get amazing products, and in 2022, I think, we, we we managed to close a proper seed round to secure funding for the next stage. So so we raised 7 million at that moment, and we, we scaled nice. the team to 20 people. That's fantastic. All right, well, let's talk about... Um... Uh, we have the general idea of what Redstone is. Where does the project stand today in terms of what people can use it for and how people are are using the Oracle system in their projects? Are these is it primarily pricing data currently? Are there other ways that it that it's being used? And then yeah, let's just talk through that a little bit. And and the other thing I want to talk to you about is what's it been like trying to penetrate this market with with something with Chainlink kind of you know holding a lot of market share. What's it been like for you guys to try to get into the market with, with Redstone? Definitely take it. Yeah, let's see, it's, it's tough. I think like a really, really uh, almost like a monopoly in the market. Yeah. And that, yeah. I think it's on many, many angles, it's a great company, but still, if you've got someone who dominates the market such strongly, then usually it will be beneficial for the whole ecosystem, but I could say newcomers, people trying to shake the market, trying to bring new ideas, etc. Otherwise, it's getting like obsolete, getting too, too additional, too conservative. There's no pressure to innovate. And we're also like super happy to see that even like the big players from what we are observing, they are planning to land something similar, probably I think at the end of the year, or maybe next year, being called like a low latency data that is actually mimicking our approach. So it's good that we are bringing these new ideas and seeing that we can help the, the whole ecosystem. But on the, let's say, the market growth side, it's really tough. As there's like a very strong brand, so we need to really work much harder, not like a, a similar level of quality, but we need to offer extra value to the teams to convince them to work with that. But we're also happy that there are a few teams brave enough ambitious enough trying to use a new technology and the CEF benefit in having access to to this, I think, larger amount of data and it works in practice. So recently, I think at the beginning of this year, we launched with one protocol and it was the, the, the third fastest growing protocol thanks to the access to the feed that was not available to anyone in the space. So you can have an edge when trying to, to get more data for your projects. Well, and I think certainly the sales pitch of, hey, if you want to wait for your data for every 15 minutes, 30 minutes or an hour, you can, but you don't have to is is compelling, right? And so then it becomes a matter of kind of overcoming the psychological pressure of 
chain link being the monster that everyone uses. I can understand how, how difficult that can be, but the nice thing is, is I, I think you guys are in a fantastic position to actually position yourselves first off with some of the larger protocols as potential backup solution. And then the idea is pretty cool to be able to say, well, you can use us as your backup, but wouldn't you be better off using Chainlink as your backup since we're the ones that can provide you the data faster, more reliably than they can. But anyway, what, what, what has Marcin, what's it been like for, for you guys to go to market and, and try to penetrate with some of it? Do you find that you're better off going after new startups in the space, new protocols? New, I know you guys are deploying on Canto. I was excited to see that. But what's kind of been your strategic approach to going after aftermarket? Yeah, that's a really, really good question, right? Because you can create the best tech, but it does not matter if no one uses it, right? Right. So when it comes to the approach that we take is Chainlink has done a really good job in 2018, 19, 20 to bootstrap like the DeFi as it is. Right. But it moves slowly. I mean, it became like a large organization with a lot of people over there. The decisions are tough. Communication inside is also like not clear. So, right. you know, when you have like that kind of problems in the space, in an industry that the innovation cycle lasts like two months, like truly every two months, if you froze yourself for two months, you're obsolete in this market, right? Right. So, you have to be very on top of things. So we monitor all the trends and try to react as quickly as possible to the ones that are picking up. So to give you an example, we see like ZK being one of the core narrative for a while already. Right. Hence, we were the very first Oracle to be present on ZK Sync. And they are our, we are the launch partner of theirs. Like last nice. week, they launched their mainnet. Same for Polygon ZK EVM. And even today we had a chat with a Starkware, which is not an EVM layer two, but we have a huge conviction that ZKs in general is the future. We are very close with Scroll as well. So, you know, like we want to be close with such partners. Canto, you mentioned also like a lot of innovation happening over there. It's picking up interest of both developers, like the OGs as, as well as the investors. So we are the first Oracle and still the only one to be on campus. So it's very, very exciting to work with, you know, new brains over there. So I would say first being present where the innovation happens, stop having the narrative of DeFi or summer of 2020. So we have to innovate, right? Right. And then the second have a different value proposition. So that's something that Jake already said. We are fast paced, high frequency, and a lot of custom data feeds that you cannot get from other incumbents, right? right? So I would say these are the main points. And in terms of onboarding new feeds into your system, is that a faster, is that something that happens faster with you guys that it does? I mean, look, Chainlink is, is legendary for taking months to even consider adding new data feeds and new chains to it. Is that something you guys are able to act more fast, more rapidly on? You're able to onboard new data, new feeds back more, more quickly? Yes, exactly. by far. Okay, go ahead, Jacob. Okay, so they're much more nimble. So in our case, let's say that we are startup. The decisions are made really fast. So just a few conversations among us. We are even in a single physical location. So like super easy. We need this feed. What are the risks? What are the sources? How to deal with that? It can take like, if we are under pressure, it takes like one, two days and we can start serving the, the necessary information. 
So if you've got a protocol that really wants to use Redstone but needs this particular feed, if you all see that there's a benefit to that, you can add it pretty quickly. Exactly. I think that, you. I mean, that is a to me a almost as powerful capability as the speed at which you can serve data, right? The ability to be nimble enough to get people what they need so they're not sitting there waiting or trying to work around the fact that Chainlink can't give it to them soon enough. So that's fantastic. In, in terms of kind of your adoption levels, I mean, you have a pretty good sized team at this point, but do you feel like, well, what what has been your approach to kind of getting community engagement into Redstone, right? Because I, my, I'm a firm believer that a lot of what gets driven in terms of biz dev and partnerships and 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 outreach is also can be community. In your case, you're you're almost really a B2B provider. And so that's a little more difficult thing to spin up is actually to get even a community behind a, a product like yours. Is that something you guys think about or work on? Or do you feel like you're really better off going direct and, and doing the kinds of things you're doing now to get attention from protocols and developers? Yeah, so in my opinion, it's way better to create like a concrete use case with a project rather than shout out loudly on Twitter or any other media that we partner with each other because sure. partnership nowadays can mean many, mean many, many things and you can have full of partners, but not much happening underneath, right? right. So our approach is to have like, you know, in-depth in conversation with developers and people who design systems to also get to know the current needs of projects. Just to give you an example, like Jacob started with the idea of having like the off-chain on-demand Oracle where the DAP user sends data together with the transaction, right? Which is like very good. And right now Delta Prime, for example, on Avalanche uses that model and has a lot of edges thanks to that. But we see that the market also needs other approaches Therefore, this week we released like totally revamped docs of ours that developers can dig into and see not one, but three models, depending on your needs. So one is this core, that's what we call Redstone core. The second one is Redstone classic, where you can have like Chainlink-like interface to just plug in your application. Oh. And then we have like a resolver that updates prices on chain with your specified interval and the deviation that you are nice. happy with. In the second model, of course, the costs of gas are higher, but on such networks like Arbitrum and ZKs, then we can still manage that, let's say, right? right. And the beauty over here is that with Chainlink, you have to accept their heartbeat and deviation for a specific token. And here you can decide, right? And then there's the third model, which is called Redstone X. And it's based on GMX approach of how the flow goes, where in simple terms, first the DAP registers a transaction in block number N, then anyone can pick that transaction, connect price feed together to that transaction, send it back to the DAP, and then the DAP executes the transaction in the very next block. So, nice. so that the price is not revealed so that you cannot do any front running. So it's like nice. front running protection. Yeah. So essentially you have the core system, you have a system that works like for developers that are already used to using Chainlink system, 
that they can utilize similar code and similar systems to access it. And then you have that that system, which that's that's a really cool model. And currently is Redstone feeds, are they, are? I mean, I know this is the number one demand, so it makes sense, but primarily you're doing price in, in Redstone at this point. Are there other types of feeds you're thinking of adding to the system? I think we talked about like random random number generators, that kind of stuff is, are those kinds of the things that you're going to be adding to the system as it goes forward? Or are you really finding people are focused on, on price feeds? Okay, so the infrastructure is really flexible. So we get some type of data, like, for example, information about NFTs. We got even some weather data. Nice. We, so, so we built a system where you can quite easily plug in into any external API and start serving that information on chain. That was even like a funny story in one of the hackathons. One team built an Oracle to give you an answer whether a person is alive or dead. They plug into some kind of a, I think it was in the UK, some kind of a public registry and they wanted to use it for insurance, for live insurance. So that's pretty scary just to try to use this. That's hilarious. Yeah, but it's like a very flexible system. But, but honestly, I think still the, the biggest interest is, is the traditional financial data, like the prices of the tokens, et cetera. The DeFi is still the driving factor of the industry. Although we see that like a solution, especially on networks like, for example, Celo, the refi, the connections to some environmental data, the interest is growing, but still it's much less major than the financial. And so when you were talking about that interesting example, is that, is, so you're saying basically that people could incorporate feeds into Redstone from out external APIs mm -hmm. and create their own, essentially create their own Oracle in the system? Or is that something that still goes, so if somebody wanted to have some specialized set of data they could. How does it? How does it work? How do protocols pay Redstone? Like how? How? How does the revenue work for you guys? And how does the system work for mm -hmm. the protocols? Okay, so it's also important to, to know that they are not paying us. Right. They are paying the the data providers, so the entities that are operating nodes and right. deliver okay. data. And we are like a Web3 company, so we get our token. In order to be a node operator, you need to put a collateral in our token, and then you get the, the right to collect fees from the protocols. So we focus on building the network, the infrastructure, the tools, and then invite external operators to run the service and collect fees. Nice. Very That's nice. Our, our idea to rather focus on bootstrapping the network than being like a direct service provider. That's cool. And and then for being a node operator, so sounds similar to other Oracle systems, but the, the node operators are actually providing the data. How, how does that system function and work? Are there competitive node operators for different price feeds? How, how does that structure work and how does someone become a node operator? Mm -hmm. So at the moment, in, in order to be a node operator, there's still like an enrollment process. We want to check like who is behind the, the node operator. So we, we, we screen the candidate, but usually like you not, do not often see like anonymous like node operators, you write there like a professional companies that are, let's say, adjusted to being a data operator for other oracles, That's right. the mainstream of the candidate. And do they compete? Not necessarily. So it's also like connected to our token model. So the protocol has specified the mm, list of feeds that is interested into 
it's also like publicly visible. And then the node operators that deliver the data, they share the revenue based on the amount of tokens that they stake on their node. So the more collateral you put, the more security as a node operator are going to underwrite in case the fees are incorrect, the larger the chunk of the fees you are going to receive. So that's in a nutshell, the, the model of cooperation among node operators. Nice. And, and in terms of third-party node operators, how many do you all have now? Yeah, so, so we are in the enrollment process. I think we got like a short list of, of 15 of them and like slowly we are be moving them into production. Nice, very nice. That's great. What else are we missing about Redstone in terms of kind of understanding the value proposition there? It sounds incredibly powerful to me. And so, and I, I think the ecosystem desperately needs it. Is there anything else that we haven't covered in kind of what Redstone does and how it functions and why it's valuable? I would, say, I would say from my perspective, one thing that we haven't touched upon in my, in my opinion is important in the long term is the team, right? So Jacob sure. started alone with the idea, right? But thankfully he got on board like very dedicated and experienced people. So it's not like a bunch of people that randomly met on Twitter and don't know each other and then don't know their credentials. It's rather sure. like a team of 80% software engineers with, you know, track of record building like various systems on the BD side. So I'm one of the black sheep over here that is not coding, <laughs> but still we try to be very much educated about all the technology. So it's not like, Hey, I'm not a technical person. Don't tell, talk to me engineering. Right. It's rather, I'm not writing code, but I try to understand as much architecture as possible. Right. So. I would say there are no strangers in it. We are all located right now in Poland because just the, the quality of people over here is, is brilliant. We have yeah. an of, a physical office here. So in the moment when everyone appreciates like distributed teams and being, you know, like all over the world, which is of course fantastic. We also admire having lunch together or chatting about very tough problem over a coffee. Because then you have this human touch, right? Like there is right. no like, okay, sorry, wait a second. My headphones are down or sorry, my internet is troublesome today. So there's a huge value in that aspect too. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And some of the, some of the best programmers in the world I've, I've encountered have been from Poland and, and Ukraine over my career. So I'm confident that the, that the talent is solid there. And, and I think that's a critical thing, right? It, it's, it's, you you had built reputations in the space already and you were all early jacob building in, in blockchain and crypto and so i think that probably helped you as well for when you guys went out to start hiring people right here's something innovative that you're doing it's an interesting problem developers love these kinds of technologies and these kinds of problems to solve but at the same time your kind of reputation in the space probably helped a great deal in being able to recruit and bring people in the other thing i think that's important people to understand that we touched on earlier, which is, is that you're a funded organization, right? There's a, there's a revenue stream and token coming token in the mix, but you are a funded organization. The team is being paid. There are investors that believed in what you were trying to build enough for, for you guys to really get this thing properly launched. If it was just two or three people without funding, it wouldn't be as advanced as it is as a product at this point. 
I would assume. I, I guess we've covered pretty much everything. If someone is interested in utilizing Redstone for their project, are you guys doing hackathons now? Are you guys participating and ask, encouraging people to use Redstone and hackathons at this time? Or is that something that there's just not enough time to do? So we have engaged in a couple of hackathons, but right now we rather see more value in people joining our Discord and asking directly, hey, I want to create this, or could you provide we, us with a specific data? And then we try to, you know, ideate together and create like a proof of concept. And also to be honest, don't get us wrong. Like we don't only go for new projects because right. apparently in 2023, the narrative is even like very well established and big DeFi projects are looking for diversification and also like innovation, right? Right. So you could have created like your V1 and V2, let's say in 21 or 22 on given infrastructure. But if you want to move forward, you need to search for new options. So I cannot tell names yet, but I can tell you that we are chatting with a big boys as well to just awesome. tell them what we, what we can offer and what is happening in the bushes. And if you want to get some alpha, you should watch out for Redstone mainly around end of April and beginning of May, because we are going to have some truly amazing announcement that will just show like how much convicted builders in the space are about what we bring. That's, that's an alpha, like follow us on Twitter and watch out for news over there. All right. So I ask, I ask two questions at the end of every show of my guests on Mission DeFi. And the first question is from this experience or your experience previous to, to Redstone, but from this experience, what are, what are some lesson, what, what is a lesson that you would pass on to another founder getting started in, in crypto or blockchain that you've learned through this process, whether it be related to fundraising or team building or developing or whatever, it doesn't matter. So Jacob, do you have anything that, that you would pass along to other founders to be careful of or to do anything like that? Uh, I think first of all, I would encourage anyone who is like hesitating, should I be a founder? Let's say if, uh, if someone is a software engineer, it's like usually a well-paid job. It's a very stable job, and very predictable <laughs> job. And being a founder is like a jump in, you know, in, a, in a really deep water. Right. Uh, but it's like a very self. Let's say rewarding, amazing experience. Be brave, try to build new stuff, different stuff. Even if like the, the, the market is like really mm, solid, like even if like a big monopoly, I think there's always a room to, to innovate and to try something new. If you can bring quality, go for it. Nice. I love it. Marcin? I would say, of course, like building a startup is sometimes you have the moments that you feel like, okay, I'm so exhausted. And you know, there are so many obstacles on the way. There are too many tasks and not enough time, but at the end of the day, it's just fun and cool. I mean, it's, it's fulfilling as hell to create something that people need and listen to their like problems and obstacles and try to solve it. Yeah. And my one advice would be do it with people you think are good and you like to work with. Because also, like, as I said, we have an office and every time like we catch up over there, like for lunch, whatever, we next work, have so much fun together, like, you know, just interacting with each other. So I would say recruit and be among people you like spending time with and are smart, basically. 
Nice. I like that too. That's, that's great. All right, Jacob, who is someone or a person or a project within the space, within crypto, DeFi, blockchain that you have a great deal of respect for? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like when I started my journey, I had times like admired Vitalik, obviously. I think he's sure. like, like brain, amazing. And, and I really admire like his style of writing. He's very precise to the point. Yeah. The DeFi spies are really like what Tani is doing. He's great spirit, like bootstrapping. Ava, which was a really solid companion on the engineering side. They got the great ideas. They totally conquered the market. I, I knew him from the time. I was in London at the very beginning. It was rough, but they get through. And yeah, and now there is like not only Ava, but also Lance. I think that's an amazing creator in the space. Excellent. Excellent. Marcin? Yeah, for sure. There are a bunch, but I always like to mention people that I met in person. I had a chat chance to chat with. So for sure, like Alex Guchowski, like from ZK Sync, it's sure. astonishing person. And what ZK Sync has delivered is just crazy good. And yes, I'm deep from Polygon as well. Like mm. Polygon has been there like as one of these layers that got a lot of traction, not only in DeFi, but also in traditional work like for corporates and right. right now they also innovate in the zk space so i would call i would probably bring a list but let's mention these two that's awesome and and of course polygon is a biz dev machine there it's just nuts how many deals they do that's fantastic guys really appreciate it if people want to use redstone they should go to redstone.finance join discord ask questions learn more about it read the documentation is that the best way for them to get in touch Yes, I would say Twitter is solid. So we try to release over there like most important news. Discord, we are very active over there. And if anyone has any question, you can always reach out to us over there. Like we are very approachable. So it's not like they sign, like submit a ticket and then wait like two months. No, like the response is thoroughly immediate. <laughs> that was good. That was awesome. That was great. That was very good. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. This is fantastic. I'm excited for what you're doing and I, I look forward to seeing you guys succeed at an even larger scale. Thanks for having Thank us. Thanks, man.